You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The Naked Scientist. It's time for The Naked Scientist. Give us a call on 011-8830702 in the WhatsApp line 072-702-1702. Dr. Chris Smith is with us and ready to take all of your science-related questions. Dr. Chris Smith, happy Monday. How are you doing? Dr. Chris? Hello, Dr. Chris. Do you know, I did that famous thing where I forgot to, to press the button that says mute. It's and, okay. Uh, you're supposed to say you're on mute. <laughs> I'm going to remember for Nick. Me, so I always why. assume yeah. that you're never in the wrong. I always assume we are the problem. But today, oh, you're, it's your fault. <laughs> so, doctor, how are you doing? Are you well? Yeah, no, I'm okay. Yeah, we're on a public holiday for May Day here. And uh, for the first time in about uh, six months, it's actually warm. And so we're outside making some vitamin D. Um, but otherwise, yeah, we're, we're all very warm. We're, we're sort of gearing up to the fact that we can, we're going to crown our king in a week's time. So that's all, well, in under a week's time. So that's, yes. that's another holiday excuse. So we'll be doing that too. So, um, yeah, so all, all, all the flags are hanging out here for various reasons. I see. I see that is the case. All right, we are taking your calls. We've got Jimmy in Midrand. Jimmy, go ahead. Hi, Rela Bohila, and hi, Dr. Chris. Mm. Yeah. Now, my question is, there's something, I mean, you you know you have uh, your finger joint or toe joint. Sometimes you get discomfort in that in the joint, and then you pull the finger, it makes a cracking noise, and then you feel relief. So I just wanted to know the science behind that. So when you pull pull your fingers and and they, like, click or snap or do those kind of things? Yes. Okay. Yes. So okay. I want to understand because, I mean, well, I don't know whether it's lactic acid or whatever. I just want to know the science behind it. Okay. Doctor? There's a paper that came out about, oh, must be about seven or eight years ago, by a researcher in Canada, University of Alberta, uh, Greg Korchuk, because I spoke to him, and they were very interested in this whole phenomenon of joint cracking because over the years it's, it's attracted various uh, criticisms for giving you arthritis and it might damage your joints. And there's this famous story, bit apocryphal, of this guy called Daniel Unger who cracked the knuckles of one hand for his entire life but didn't crack the knuckles of the other hand, didn't have any more arthritis but did have a weaker hand on the, on the cracked knuckle side. So what Greg Korchuk wanted to do was to find out actually anatomically what's going on when joints go crack. And they did this amazing series of experiments where they put people in MRI scanners, the kind of thing that gives you incredible resolution of the body. And they attached a string onto the fingers of these people so they could pull on the string, put the finger under tension in the same way as you would if you were going to crack a joint. And they had a microphone so they could hear exactly when the clack, the click happened in the joint. And they could marry that up with what the image acquisition was showing at that time. So they could work out what the sounds were. And what they find is that when you put the joint under negative pressure, you lower the pressure in the joint space and you do cause a bubble to pop into existence. And as a bubble pops into existence under the presence of the low pressure, then this takes up space and it pushes all of the supporting structures around the joint outwards and you get crack. When you then collapse the bubble by 
cracking the joint, as in you bend your fingers and it goes click again. That's the bubble collapsing in on itself and all of the other supporting ligaments going back in again to replace them. The amount of energy being dissipated, though, is low and certainly we think probably not going to do any harm in the long term to your cartilage. There are many things that we do in life which are far more injurious to our joints than um, cracking them. So people who crack joints probably can crack with impunity, but do beware because it might not injure your fingers, but it will certainly upset the ears of some people who are sitting near you who might then turn on you <laughs> and injure you in a different way. <laughs> so you way. might have a so, broken jaw yeah, after clicking. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, you, you crack your knuckles, they're fine, but your jaw is not and your teeth are missing all over the floor. So, there we yeah. go. Thank you so Be much, careful. Jimmy in Northcliffe. Teddy in, uh, sorry, Jimmy in Midrand. Now we've got Teddy in Northcliffe. Hi, Teddy. Hi, how are you guys doing? Hi, Do Hi uh, scientists, how are you? Good, good, go ahead. Good. Okay, man, I, I don't know if this is old age or something's happening, but you know when you put your keys or something down and you go and look for them at the very place where you look where they're supposed to be, you get there and then they're not there. When you come back again, then suddenly the things are there. Is there a theory behind things disappearing when you look for them? How old are you, Teddy? First, tell us how old you are. <laughs> okay, so let's assume it's at any age, doctor, for the sake of fairness to Teddy. One of the characteristics of the human brain is that it's very good at filling in gaps. Because there's no way that we could possibly process the amount of information coming in down each of the million nerve fibers in each of our optic nerves and create a comprehensive picture of the world all the time. So what our brain does is it fills in gaps while paying attention to only a small part of what you're actually looking at. So imagine you're at a, at a theater, you're watching the stage. The leading actor is on the stage and they're in the spotlight. That's your attention on them. And all the other stuff going on around you, the brain is not not that interested in because the spotlight's where the action's happening. Well, the attention does the same thing. Your brain has a way of spotlighting things that it thinks you need to pay attention to, and it's chucking away loads of other stuff. It's also filling in loads of gaps that it's not bothering to attend to. So this causes, unfortunately, while it, while it enables us to have continuity and we can focus on things that we want to focus on without being distracted by other stuff, it does mean we're susceptible to cognitive blindness where you get visual inattention and you've probably seen those things on youtube where someone will be asked to do a task and it's it's laborious it requires your attention you've got to make sure you concentrate on what you're doing and in the background of them doing this task they completely fail to register someone dressed as a gorilla doing star jumps and you then say to the person, did you notice anything strange in what you're watching? No, they said, nothing there. I was just counting these things that were coming up on the screen. And you didn't notice the gorilla. No. And then you, you, you show them the footage and they're gobsmacked. And the reason is that the brain fills in, in the background, things that it doesn't think you need to know about. And that's to make sure you can focus on a task in hand. Now, when we go looking for something, unfortunately, because we're sweeping our eyes across the visual world and we are very, very familiar with where we're looking because we've sh we've looked there already, haven't we? The problem is that the brain fills in a lot of gaps and hides from our attention something that might enable you to see what is literally in front of your face. So that's one of the reasons. The other is that we tend to, because we think about things in a logical way that's logical and meaningful to us, we tend to visit the places where we should look first 
And so we think of all the right places where we think that's where I need to look, that's where I need to look, that's where I need to look. Then we convince ourselves we haven't looked in those places, so we go and check again. But we're ignoring the, the few places we haven't looked because they're not logical to us. And often when we want to hide something, we think, where would I look for this? And so you don't hide the thing in a place you would look for. Therefore, you don't remember where you got to look for it. And I had exactly the same circumstance. I was going on holiday. I thought, I won't leave my car keys in the usual place while I'm leaving my house empty, because if someone did break into my house, they would steal my car. So I uh, hid the keys where I wouldn't look for them. And then uh, that was great at the time. until <laughs> I came home from holiday and I suddenly thought, where have I put my car keys? And I had to spend, I had a, a, a frantic hour hunting around because it wasn't just the car keys that were on that key ring. There were loads of other important keys as well. <laughs> My office key, the electronic tag that gets me in the office. Your life was hospitals. there. Hospitals. Uh, everything, yeah. And of course, it was right in front of my face, but I just couldn't see it because uh, it's not where I would have looked. So that's that's the, the other reason. It's So there's visual inattention and there's also the question of we follow a certain pattern of thoughts because of who we are. And if we break that cycle, break that pattern because something distracts us and we put them down somewhere where we wouldn't normally put them down, it then doesn't occur to us to look in that place because it's not our normal pattern of behaviour to go and look where we've put them. Okay, that makes complete sense. Teddy, in Northcliffe, don't worry, it's not about age, even though you won't tell us. John in Boxburg, hi. Hello, yes, uh, afternoon. Um, I'd like to ask uh, Dr. Chris, um, the link between uh, chewing gum, because we were talking about chewing gum earlier. Yes. Uh, yes, uh, between chewing gum and auto-digestion, because from what I can remember, uh, studying biology back in high school, uh, that uh, when you chew chewing gum, uh, the, the sugar that uh, you chew in your mouth, it stimulates, it sort of uh, activates the enzymes in your stomach that are responsible for breaking down the sugar. So when you don't actually intake any sugar, any sugary uh, substances, and then those enzymes end up breaking down the walls in your stomach. So I don't know how true is that. Mm, mm, nice one, John. Hi, John. In the same way that Pavlov managed to train dogs 100 years ago to salivate to the sound of a dinner bell before it even fed them, the body of a complex animal like us is all about anticipation and prediction. Because if you work ahead and plan for the future, you can be much more successful. If you dumped a whole load of food in your stomach and it didn't know it was coming, A, you wouldn't know when you were full, B, you might eat too much, and C, you would introduce enormous delay before you got any kind of beneficial calories coming into the system that could then tell you, hey, I've got enough calories now, stop eating, or my stomach's full, and so on. So it's all about prediction. It's all about using signals to anticipate what might be coming next. And you're quite right. When you put something in your mouth and you start chewing it round, A, it boosts saliva flow, which helps it slip down, and B, it tells your stomach, get ready to receive food, and that means also start to secrete gastric acid, which includes both acid but also other digestive juices. There's pepsin and other protein digesting enzyme in there. And it also readies your intestines. Get ready for dinner. Here it comes. And chewing gum, because, of course, it's not actually even in many cases imparting any sugar because most people have realized putting sugary things in your mouth and your teeth all the time is really bad for your dentition. Dentists have educated us trying to eat sugar-free chewing gum. It's great for keeping your teeth clean. But when you've got an empty stomach... 
you end up with all of those digestive signals, hey, dinner's coming and nothing arrives, that it's really bad for your stomach lining and you, you can get uh, irritation to your stomach. So you're, you're right that the body does work on those sorts of anticipatory signals and there are some cases of people getting a sore tummy because they were fooling their intestines into thinking lunch was on the way when it wasn't and so with no food to work on, the stomach acid ends up working on the stomach itself. So good idea, use chewing gum to clean your mouth and keep your teeth uh, and mouth fresh after you have eaten and to keep the saliva flow high but when you've already got a full stomach eating chewing gum on an empty stomach can give you a sore tummy thank you so much for that question and with the last few seconds that we have a doctor um i don't know if you've known about this prime energy drink that everybody's going crazy over so a question that comes from remember from winchester hill says i want to ask about energy drinks and too much caffeine are they good for our health if not what's the advice in 15 seconds well, we think probably they're not that great for our health because they are packed with calories and they're packed with sugar and they will cause a big surge in insulin, the sugar-lowering hormone, which will put you into a fat-making state. So it encourages you to lay down body fat and then feel hungry again afterwards. And if you need all that caffeine to wake you up because you're feeling very sleepy, this argues you probably haven't had enough sleep in the first place and being short of sleep is very bad for your health. So you probably need to look at both what you're eating but also how much you're sleeping and and make changes to both. Thank you so much, Dr. Chris Smith. We're back together next week. And to all of you for joining us today on this May Day, please be safe on those roads. It's three o'clock.